Good morning, everybody. It's great to, great to be here. Thanks for the three people that greeted me back. But there we go. Now we're onto it. Now we're onto it. Good morning to those of you online as well. It's great to be uh, have you with us, gathering with us. Whew. All right. Take a breath. It's good. Well, uh, if we haven't met before, my name is, is Ryan, and I'm part of the, the team here, and it's great to, to be gathered and, and just centered around the, the Word of God. We're continuing in our Matthew uh, series, which I am loving. Is anyone just loving, like, I just love that I just wake up and it just, you know, I just know what to read. Like, someone's kind of sorted my, my reading plan. It, it's there. I'm still doing it on paper, for those of you who are keeping in check. I gave away my paper to someone, so I had to get a new one. Um, and I gave it to him, and the ticks weren't up today. He's like, hey, bro, it's Sunday. I was like, oh, yep, sorry. Haven't, <laughs> haven't done that yet. I'm like, all over me. Um, but it's, it's good to just, I, I'm just loving traveling with this as a church. I love being able to, you know, just chat with people and you know that we're kind of reading the same thing and we're on the same page and on the, the same journey. And so if you haven't uh, engaged with that yet, if you're not on the Matthew plan, there's still time. You can, you can jump online and, and download that there and uh, subscribe to the email and, and be part of kind of the the readings that we're doing and, and the journey that we're on uh, together as a church. But we're going to dig into Matthew again today and Matthew 18, uh, our verses for today, Matthew 18, chapter 18, verses 1 to 9. And we're going to read uh, this. It's on the screen if you want to follow along. But it says, about that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who welcomes this little child on my behalf is welcoming me. But if you cause one of these little ones who trusts in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. What sorrow awaits the world because it tempts people to sin. Temptations are inevitable, but what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting? So if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better to enter eternal life with only one hand or foot than to be thrown into the eternal fire with both your hands and feet. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better to have eternal life with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. Beware that you do not look down on any of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels are always in the presence of my heavenly Father. Some encouraging reading to kind of begin our day. As I was looking at the verses, I was like, maybe we'll just chop straight into like one to three and leave the, like, the eye gouging bit out. You know, I'm like, I don't, I don't like touching. I can't wear contacts in my eyes. I really wish I could. I just can't touch them. The thought of like touching my eye makes me like, makes the hair stand up on the back of my neck. But to gouge it out, I'm like, oh, Jesus. Um, like to, to, to cut, a, cut off a limb. I'm like, I watch those like Survivor movies where they get caught and they have to like, the stories of like, oh, it makes me like, oh. But Jesus just has a way with words, doesn't he? You know, like they, they come and ask him this question, like Jesus, you know, like who's gonna be the greatest in the kingdom? He's like, you're gonna have to gouge out your eyes and cut off your hands. And, but there is some great truth and depth to what conversation has been taking on here. You know, the disciples have come to Jesus and they've asked him this question, who will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? In other words, a little bit of like, who's gonna be the two I see to you, Jesus? Who's the next step up? Who's gonna be the next big dog? Who's gonna, who's gonna be number two? Who's gonna be the greatest? 
And Jesus simply goes and, and brings a little child and, and puts him in the middle. And was like, if you can't humble yourselves like a small child, he doesn't say you won't be the greatest, but he actually says you, you won't even enter the kingdom of heaven. You're actually going to miss the kingdom of heaven. I believe what Jesus is trying to do here is rewrite the formula for what greatness looks like. You know, you can see very similar language here in, in the disciples and what they're getting at and what they're fishing for from Jesus is this like, how do I become the greatest? Who becomes the best? How do I take another step forward? You know, a little bit of what, what is being looked at here is this idea, I think, of power. Like, who, who's going to be the most powerful after you, Jesus? Like, who's going to be, who's going to have that next level up and in our day I don't I don't think it's any different Rod can we go for that um, first slide the the TV one you know this to me is what power looks like in our society I don't know if you've ever watched this show I'm not condoning that in saying you should it's not a it's not a TV recommendation don't go home with your family and your kids and sit on the mat and turn on this but this show if you've ever watched it before it's called Suits it's all about power the whole show is a power grab and the guy in the middle is, is the most powerful, if you will. He's the one that everyone kind of gravitates around. He's the one who can flex his muscles. In fact, his, his mate on the right clearly wants to be him. That's why he's kind of looking at him in that shot. But this whole thing is about who can win the most, who can have the most, who's going to be the, who, who is the most powerful. And it always comes to this situation where something needs to be solved. And Harvey Specter, the guy in the middle, he's the one who will walk in and flex his muscles because he's the man and he saves the day. Like, it just all the time, it happens. And this picture is, I believe, of what our world and our culture and our society tells us is the formula for greatness. If you have the most power, you will be the greatest. If you are the most skilled, you will be the greatest. If you have the most amount of finance, you will be considered the greatest. And so we chase after those things, don't we? We chase after that, that next level. We chase after that promotion. We chase after power. We chase after money. We chase after all of these things. Why? Because the world tells us that's what will make us great. Great people are winners. Now, all of these things aren't bad things on their own. Having a good job, having a secure finances, being good at what you do, all of those things are not bad, but they are not what make us great. Jesus goes here and says, you know what you need to do? You need to humble yourself and be like a child. You know, a child in, in that day, in that culture, there's, not, there's nothing wrong with children, but they're insignificant. You know, I was watching Pastor Dean this morning with, with his son Asher and he's feeding him. I'm like, there's no way Asher can eat those wheat bix by himself. He wants them. He's telling, telling Dean, I want those wheat bix but he can't do it on his own. It's almost this insignificance to a child where they are dependent on an adult for survival. My, my oldest child is seven. He still can't survive without me. I've tried. <laughs> he thinks he can. I dropped him at kids this morning and, and we were a little bit early and there was no one in the room. He's like, oh, uh, uh, there's no one here. I'm like, will you be fine? He's like, oh, oh. I'm like, you can't survive without an adult. You think you can. The reality is he's not, Getting a job, he's not bringing in any income. I've told him he needs to. He needs to start paying them bills. You're seven, you want sneakers, you gotta pay for them. He can't survive. He is completely dependent on us for his survival. Are we completely de dependent on Jesus for ours? Are we dependent on our faith for survival? Are we humble enough to go, Jesus, actually, I, I need you for survival? 
Or is the idea just of faith just something that we do or a bit of routine or a bit of ritual or a bit of where it fits in for me? Jesus is like, you want to be the greatest? Be like a child. Be humble. Be dependent on me for survival. Isn't that the opposite of the picture that the world paints? Nah. Just get more. Be better. Work harder. Level up. Be the most powerful and you'll be the greatest. Jesus is like, if you have that attitude, you need to be number two, you need to be the greatest, you want to be the best, you're going to actually miss the kingdom of heaven altogether. Humility is the key to being the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You know, Jesus goes on and he says, anyone who even welcomes one of these children is, is welcoming me. And I look at this and it's a little bit of do unto others in this space. You know, Jesus isn't just talking about children. It's not just like anyone who welcomes a, a, a small child is welcoming me. It's the, anyone who will welcome someone that might be a bit considered lower than you. Someone a little bit less significant than you. Someone who's not as important as you. You know, you, you look around and kind of room change when somebody of importance walks in. And everyone kind of gravitates to that person. Everyone's happy to help them and get them to the front of the line and can I do this for you and can I do that for you? And because why? Because there's this power, this greatness, this picture that we put up of who is significant. You know, my, my life, I often try and think about how do I treat people that I can get nothing from in return? Like if being nice to you, will it give me anything in return? How would I treat that person? You know, Jimmy Fallon, uh, for those of you who have ever seen any of his TV shows, does this skit and does a particular one with U2 where he takes, everyone heard of U2 before? A pretty popular band, I believe. U2, yep, you're with me. Some U2 fans. You know, they were, they were here a little while ago. They, they sell out stadiums around the world, if you're not familiar with U2. Like, people flock to see them. I remember when they were here, they were on tour with Jay-Z. I was trying to get someone to do a pass-in, pass-out system. I wanted to see Jay-Z and not you two. Um, so I was like, can I go to the pre-show and then come out? And it didn't work. No one would have a bar of it. But they sold out, you know, Optus, they sell out everywhere they go. Jimmy Fallon takes them and puts disguises on them, like fake moustaches. And they go into the, here's a picture of it. They're in the New York subway, busking. And this has been going on. We um, can't have time to watch the whole thing. But basically, Jimmy Fallon's in disguise as well. And he's like trying to, rope people in to come and watch you two in the subway. These buskers, they're awesome. He's not saying who they are. He's like, come and listen. And like a few people will throw a dollar in. Look, look how like no one wants a bar of them in disguise. Eventually he's like, this isn't working. So they all rip off their disguises and we'll go to this next shot. <laughs> Everyone wants a bit of you two in the subway, you know. You know what didn't change in, in, in those few moments was how good at music you two were. Like they didn't get, they didn't sound any better once they took off their disguises. They didn't play their instruments any better. Jimmy Fallon was the same promoter that he was with the fake Moan that he was once he ripped it off. But we have this picture of what we want to honour and what we want to serve and what we want to look after. And Jesus is saying, you can't just serve the greatness. Actually, it comes back to that humility. How do we treat those around us? It changes the way we prioritise ourselves. I'm not saying go and be rude to celebrities. Don't do that. That's mean. But I, I think as Christians in our world, as, as followers of Christ, we should, and, and, and I'm not standing here because I get this all right, please, like, hear me there. 
big time growth area for me. That we would just be known that we would welcome anybody. That we have time for anybody. That we would stop in the street for anybody. That we would make time for anyone. That we would take notice of people's interests and what they're up to and what they're doing. Doesn't mean you have to give $5 to every busker. But that we would treat people the same regardless of how much power, status, money, talent they have. That the people of Jesus would be known as welcomers. Caring people. I know that I don't always have that reputation. I know the church doesn't always have that reputation. But how important is it that as followers of Jesus, it wouldn't matter what your status is in this world, we would treat you with love and hospitality and care and that would make a difference in the lives of people. There's this whole humility that comes around this. And Jesus continues, and this is where we get a little little bit less fun, unfortunately. Language, get, we're, not gonna, we're not gonna do any eye gouging today, I promise, so don't, don't freak out. But you know, he begins to, to talk about temptation and anyone who might tempt one of these children, anyone who might lead them astray. I think this is a solid scripture for our kids' workers this morning. No, I'm just kidding. But the reality is there's this, what it paints to me is this picture of that we all have a, a sphere of influence. You know, growing up, uh, there were some preachers that used to, to come and speak in schools and, and, and do different things. And they often would use this line that said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Or some of them would say, show me your, your, your best five friends, you, you know, that you spend most of your time with. And I can look at those five people and I'll be able to show you exactly what kind of life you're going to have. I used to think about that. I'm like, I've got to have good friends. I've got to spend my time with, with quality people. I've got to make sure that I'm around the right people that are going to bring me up. Even now, as now, I'm like, who, who speaks into my life? Where am I letting people invest in, in who I am? Why? Because I want to grow. And so I want to make sure that the people that I'm spending my time with are helping me do that. That's a really good principle of how to live life. But it can also become super selfish because we're thinking about who am I spending time with? Who's helping me? The reality for me is I spend plenty of time with other people that I should be helping along their way that maybe I should be helping influence, that maybe I should be helping grow in their faith. And I think about if someone said that, show me your friends, I'll show you your future to somebody who was friends with me, would their future look so good? <laughs> like, would they be like, yeah, right on. He's my mate, I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn out like that. The, the reality is we all have people in our lives that bring us up. But then I know in my world, there are plenty of people that when I hang out with them, I become a bit more like them. And sometimes that might not be for the positive, I let them influence me and our influence in ourselves is gonna direct our course. But I believe the reality is for us as people of faith in our culture that we live in, if we wanna live in this formula of greatness in the kingdom of heaven and bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth, we should be helping other people grow and raise up. It's really easy to kind of see who we should spend our time with so that, and automatically the formula would be, well, if I'm getting better then surely, if I'm growing then surely those around me would. But I want us to be intentional about when I have conversations with people, is it helping build them up? When I spend time with someone, do they walk away better than what they came? Not because I'm so great and I have all the answers, but is there something in my life? There's almost like that, that saltiness that we talked about a few weeks ago, that people would just walk away and go, oh, I just, that felt good. That was helpful. Maybe they're a bit frazzled and they leave just a bit less stressed. 
Not saying that every conversation we have is going to lead to this great moment of leading people to Christ and it's going to just be great everywhere we go. But if people were to show someone, us as a friend, what would it say about their future? You know, Jesus is saying, if you want to be great in the kingdom of heaven, you've got to grow yourself, but you've got to help grow others. You know, we've talked about welcoming and being humble and all of that still builds into this. And it's really easy to kind of see where you can help a child. That's why it's such a great illustration. It's really easy to kind of next step for a child because they, they just can't do much at first and then they, they, they're learning and, they're, and, and what I love about children is there's a constant like desire to learn and grow and we should be like that but then we should be helping other people be like that. What, what, what do you need? What's your next step? Where are you at? How do I help you? The flavor of our conversations should be that that raise other people up. And the last part about this is, is where I believe it all starts. And this is where Jesus uses a bit more of the unsavory kind of language. But you know what, what, he, what he's getting at when he's saying, you know, he's not saying like physically go and gouge your eyes out. <laughs> Maybe he was then. I don't think that's what it's saying now. But the reality is that your eye is good, right? You need to be able to see. Like how, how annoying would, it, you know, it, it's annoying when you, your vision can be impaired. It, it's not always helpful. If you have a blocked ear and you, you can't hear properly, you know, walking around on, on two legs is definitely easier than walking around on, on, on one. He's not saying that having vision and being able to hear and having hands and feet are, are, are bad things. But what he's saying is if the good things that you have in your life are causing you to stumble, and they're going to cause you to miss the kingdom of heaven, you're actually better off without them. So let's put it in today's context. Money is a good thing. Definitely a fan of money. A lot of new Apple products just got released this week. I'm trying to figure out how to afford them. They're good things. They help me. You know, this is how I just, uh, the iPhone 13 I just got is now like no good. Now I need, there's a 14 apparently. Like, how do I get, it looks like the 13. Uh, how do I, takes better photos. Let's, you know, like, the, the reality, we're always on to the next thing and they're, they're good things, but if they're causing us to stumble, if our life becomes about money and chasing money and forgetting about God, actually, you know what he's saying? You're better off without the money. You know, if your job is, 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 is robbing your life from the things that God has for it, you're actually better off without that job. If there's things in your life, they might be good, they might be presented as good, but you know what? If they have a higher status in the pecking order of your life than God, you're actually better off without it. And what Jesus is hinting at here is it's actually radical life change. See, you, you look at, um, and athletes are a really good way to kind of look at this. You look at what kind of they talk about greatness in sport. What does it take? It just takes this like radical life change. Like I could not be a professional athlete because I'm not mentally tough enough to train like that. And I'm not that good. But you know, the reality is it takes this incredible talent, the gift that they've got in their hand that has been placed there. But it takes a radical lifestyle to be able to achieve greatness in almost any field. And Jesus is saying it's not much different here. If you want this greatness in the kingdom of heaven, it's the reverse order. It takes radical life change, but it says you've just got to clear out anything that's going to cause you to stumble. You are better off without your eyes. You are better off without your leg. You are better off without all of those things than to miss out on the kingdom of heaven than to miss out on the life that God has for you, to miss out on the good things that he has for you. Better off to throw it away. And I think about my life and all the 
the blessings that are there and the, the, the way I spend my time and my resources and what I do with the, the gifts that God has put in my hand. And if I'm honest with myself, I don't always approach it like this, especially when it comes to Apple products. No, I'm How much time do I spend watching TV as opposed to reading the Word of God? How much of my time is geared around working and, 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 and money and my focus being on those things? Am I grateful for what God's put in my hand? Or am I always chasing after the next thing? Because that's what someone else has. Or am I content with what God's given me and blessed me with to go, I want to use that to live out my life the way you're wanting me to? The world tells us to put ourselves first. Gain, 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 gain. The kingdom of heaven operates completely differently. Would you put someone else before yourself? Do you think you're more important than someone else? Do, do you measure yourself and think you're better than somebody else? And if we're all honest, at times we do that. We all compare. We all compare what other people have compared to what I have. We all compare how well someone else is going in their life. The other day I was at the shops and a, a child started having a, a, a meltdown and I was like, is that, and I realised quickly it wasn't mine, and I was like, oh, could you, like, sort your kid out, you know, like, trying to shop in peace, you know, your kid's on the floor having a tantrum in office works. Like, mine would never do that, you know, like, I've never been there, never had to drag, pick up a child, and, you know, it's easy to look and go, whoa, you're a mess today, but yeah, yesterday that was me. Or maybe it wasn't me, maybe my kids don't do that, that doesn't make me better than somebody else. Because I'm sure other people look at me and go, that guy has got no clue. I just want to live my life dependent on Christ. That I wouldn't be dependent on anything else or anyone else, but that my faith would come first. And that's not a, as Christians, we're too good for anyone else or we're too good for anything. It's not about that at all. It's about priorities and order. And so when we ask that question, who is the greatest? When we start our Monday tomorrow and go, what does it mean to, to live a life of, and we all do it, we just don't say it. We all want greatness. I haven't met anybody that doesn't want greatness. Definitely met people who don't want to work for that. <laughs> it's a different thing altogether. You know, I wanted to be a professional athlete. I certainly didn't want to work for it. You can tell. You know, the, the reality is, there's all things there that we, we, we need to work for, but the kingdom of heaven is no different. It's not about not working. It's about what are we working for. And so we all wake up and go, I want greatness. I want to live a life of significance. I want to live a life that counts. Will I humble myself and reshift my priorities to be the same as those as Jesus? That's what it comes down to. I love that living a life for Jesus isn't performance-based. Like there's no, uh, you know, you can't go through the Bible and find, you know, like a tick list of like how, yep, you're doing good enough, you know. I love that he doesn't require that of us. But you know what he does require is radical life change. And so as I've been reading these scriptures this week, I've been reflecting on what, what, what might I need to change in my life? What are those things that appear good at times or that I know just aren't and I've just been content living with? Like, we all have that. Like, this is not ideal, but it's okay. What do I need to get rid of? What do I need to cut off? What do I need to gouge out, if you will? What needs to go? What needs to change? And that's the question I want to leave you with today for yourself. You know, the team are going to come back out and they're going to lead us in a little bit more worship. 
And I wonder if that's a great time as we, we sing this song, Resurrender Again. The lyrics of that song, I, I, I love this song because it's, at one point we've all surrendered to, to Christ, those that follow him. So I've, I want to surrender my life and give it up for you and turn from my old ways and walk toward, but you know, daily actually, I love the word resurrender because it means I, I need to do it again. There's some things I've picked up along the way. There's some, there's some habits I've let in. There's, there's some things that I didn't even know about. You know, if I think about the person I am now to the person I was 10 years ago, there are things I was doing 10 years ago that I didn't even know were wrong or that I could improve on until someone pointed it out or until I was reading the Bible and, and, and was able to learn through God's Word that there's something that needs to shift or change. It needs to be resurrendered. But the reality is that involves humility. That involves lowering ourselves and going, oh, I'm prepared to part with those things that I hold dear, that I love, that I like because they're hindering me. I need to re shift my priorities. You need to think about how I interact with other people and what I do and how I spend my time. You know, tomorrow you're going to have a bunch of conversations with people. What are you going to do with those conversations? Life of greatness is a life of surrender. And what I need to lay down and, and what I need to surrender and what needs to change in my life is definitely going to be different to yours. But we're all on this journey and in different places and different stages of faith. But we're all called to the same thing, to humble ourselves before God, to hand over the things that get in the way and to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Could we stand? I'd love to just pray for us. And as we, as we sing, I just encourage you to explore the, the space of your own heart. What's in there? What even out of the Word of God kind of, you know, often for me when something challenges, it kind of sometimes hits me in the chest or, or makes me kind of shoulders go back a little bit or, or, or makes me uncomfortable at times. Because I know what's there and I know what needs to change. And so I'm going to pray for each one of us that the Lord would reveal those things to us that might need some change, that might need radical change so that we can order our steps the way that He would call us to. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord Jesus, I thank you that as we read through Matthew, that you don't mix your words. Lord, that you are very direct in the way you, you want us to live our lives. Out of care for us. And so Lord, I pray for everybody uh, that's here, for those that are online, for myself included, Lord, that we would search our hearts and find those things that hold us back from you. Lord, that when I enter my week, as I go out into the spaces that you've called me to, Lord, may I see people the way you see people. May I continue, may we continue as your church, when people think about your church, when they think about your people, that they would know that greatness looks different on us than it does in our culture. Lord, that we would be for people and that we would be for living for you. So Lord, this week, help us reprioritize what needs to be reprioritized. Help us get rid of what needs to be cleared out. And Lord, may we walk in step with your Holy Spirit this week. Day by day, growing closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen.